Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today we are taking a break from our regular format to listen in on a Sunday sermon given by guest speaker Pastor Robert Marshall titled Pans, Pans, and What Defiles a Man. Now, get your Bible to follow along. It is good to be with you. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for what God's doing here. Um, I'm just so thankful. Today is 41 years since we moved to Utah. Uh, yeah, the first Sunday in June. It doesn't feel like 41 years. It only feels like about four decades. But um, it has got, gone by so fast. But in, in all those years, we have never seen the quality of leadership and the men and women who just love God and want to serve him like we see today. We are seeing people get saved in this state like we never have before, and it's just so wonderful to see what God is doing in Redemption Hill. I tell you, I tell people about Redemption Hill all the time and uh, what God's doing here. 80,000 people here who just need to hear about Jesus, and he has put you guys here. What a blessing, and he's going to open doors uh, literal walls <laughs> going into other buildings because you got you got to have more room, and he's going to, he's going to make a way. Now um, we're um, we're going to be continuing in your study that you started in Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter seven. What I'm going to do, I encourage you to turn there. I'm going to read the first 23 verses of the chapter, and then we'll go back through and look at them uh, in sections or individually. Okay, so I'm just going to read it through verses one through 23. And it says, now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And then he really tears into him, verse 9. He said to him, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have received from me is Corbin, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all food clean. 
And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come out from within, and they defile a person. Let me give you a little bit of history. By this time in the ministry of Jesus, there's already been two and a half years. We break the ministry of Jesus basically into seven portions. The first one is called the year of beginnings. Anybody want to take a guess on how long the year of beginnings lasted? Nine months. Um, after, that was, after, after that was the great Galilee. It lasted a year. Don't pay any attention to him. Um, it lasted a year. After that was the great Galilean ministry. It lasted a year and a half. So now for two and a half years, Jesus has been teaching, and he's been kind of making people mad because he looks at him and says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? And you kind of go, okay. No wonder they didn't like him. But that's what they were, and he was telling them the truth. So by this time, he had made a lot of people angry. And, and in order to spend time with his disciples before he was to leave, he, he entered into another section of his ministry. It's six months long. It's called the period of withdrawals. And during that time, he went into four pagan regions mostly, but in some remote regions of Israel also, so that he could be with his disciples and teach them uh, some final things. Now, Let's look at this. In this situation, he is in Galilee. He is in northern Galilee. That's kind of like being in northern Davis County, okay? Way up north Davis County, not Bountiful, beyond Bountiful, beyond farming, all the way up to South Weber, okay? That's where Jesus is, if you can imagine such a thing. Now, the, the, the Jewish leaders are in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. That's kind of like Utah County, okay? And if there were a city of religious significance in Utah County, let's say Springville, okay? We'll just pick one out of the blue. That's how far it is from Jerusalem, Springville, to where Jesus is in South Weber, okay? That's 69 miles. From Springville to South Weber is 71, so pretty stinking close. But between Davis County and Utah County is Salt Lake County, and that's where all the bad people live, okay? Everybody from Utah County said, and the people from the person from Salt Lake County said, oh, well, whatever. Um, and so the spiritual people from Utah County would not go through Salt Lake County to get to Davis County. No, 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 couldn't do it. They went up on top. They went to Wasatch County. They went up through Summit County. And then, see, they would drop down into Davis County because they didn't want to get they didn't want to get all nasty filed, defiled by Salt Lake County. See. So now we're talking going through Heber to get from Springville. To Southwest, we're talking a hundred miles. Now, when was the last time you looked forward to making that trip in your car? Yeah, right. And you have a car. These people didn't have a car. They had feet. They had a donkey. They had they had roads that were not nearly as good as ours. How long did it take them to get up there? And look at what it says in verse 1. When the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, 
Jesus is up there getting away from these people so he can invest in his disciples. Here they come. They leave Springville. They go up to Heber. They go all the way up through Summit. They drop down into South Weber. And when we think about the difficulty of what these people went through just to get to Jesus, to give him a hard time, they were probably sent there to spy on him, it's reasonable to ask ourselves the question, what is wrong with these people? What is your problem? They're here to give him a hard time and check on him, you know, because they've already decided this guy needs to die. And what we need to do is find evidence to justify his execution. And so they travel all that way in that day and time when it was so much more difficult. And we've got to look at it. What is your problem? And then they answer the question in verse 2. They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Which brings us to our next question. What is wrong with these people? Are you serious? Their hands are unwashed? And that's what you, this is the grave moral error that Jesus is expounding on, that he's allowing? No, the reality is these people from Springville had a law. And they needed to protect that law. The law was you got to wash your hands. And you got to wash your hands the right way. Well, how do we know if it's the right way? What they had done, they had built around the laws a hedge of protection. What does it mean to honor the Sabbath day? Well, you know, I don't know, but here we're going to build a hedge around it. So if you don't break the hedge, you will definitely not break the law. So we're going to say you cannot lift more than the weight of half an olive on Sabbath. Anybody pour milk on their post-toasties this morning? You lifted more than the weight of half an olive. Okay? You're out. They built a hedge around the law. And if you don't pass this hedge, you will definitely not break the law. And we got to protect the hedge. They had become so enamored with their own hedge that they forgot what it was there for. They forgot the law. They had built in a deadline. Do you know what a deadline is? Not talking journalistic or newspaper or something like that. The original use of the words, mostly agreed, came from the terrible um, prisoner of war camp in the South during the Civil War called Andersonville. And there was a line that they had put around Andersonville. They did it around concentration camps, Second World War, it's not uncommon, that if you cross that line, that's okay. It's okay. Nobody, nobody cares. They will just shoot you. You will be dead if you cross that line. Not too difficult to understand that, right? And that's what the hedge is. It's to keep them away from. We had beehives in our backyard several years ago. And, and to keep the grandkids away from the, the bees, we put a stretch of uh, a length of climbing rope on the ground and said, okay, don't go past the climbing rope. You're on this side. You're safe. You get over there, you might start irritating the bees, and you're, nobody's going to be happy with that. Okay? So we put the climbing rope. Don't go past this point. That's the hedge. Now, here's what happened. They forgot while the climbing rope was there. Take the beehives away. Was it a nice thing for was it a nice thing for grandpa and grandma, which is not what they call us. That's what old people are called apparently. But anyway, was it a nice thing for us to put a rope down on the ground and say, don't go past this? Were we being nice to our grandkids? Yeah. Now, take away the beehives and leave the rope. Now are we being nice to them? 
we have come to worship the rope more than the reason for the rope, and they had come to worship the hedges that they had built around the law more than the reason for the law. You heard about the the woman who was who cut the end off the pork roast before she baked it in the oven or roasted it or whatever she did. I guess it's a roast, so you roast a roast, I guess. But anyway, um, she to cut the end of it off. And her daughter said, why did you do that? So, well, I don't know. My mother always did that. Let me call her. Mom, why did you cut the end off the pork roast? Well, my mother always cut the end off the pork roast. Call Grandma. Grandma, why would you cut the end off the pork roast? Because I had an eight-inch pan. How many of us are doing things we have no concept of why, but we have to keep doing this to prove, to show that we're spiritual? And when it came to regulations about washings, the Pharisees had a lot of them. Look there in verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Folks, these guys were hardcore. If you wash, their teaching was that if you eat without having washed your hands, if you eat bread with defiled, it's the same as having taken the bread out of the outhouse and eating. It is that defiled. And there was a rabbi who didn't agree with this. He thought, well, that's going a little bit too far. When they died, they buried him as excommunicated. They loved their hedges more than they loved the law. Now, look, I'm down with washing your hands. Our first kid's born. We go over to these people's house, change his diaper, go wash my hands, come out, and the woman says, you weren't in there long enough to wash off the thought of it. Get in there and wash your hands. Okay, I'm down with washing your hands, but when we're going to make it a law, as has been done in this situation, because there were specific ways that your fingers had to be held, that you had to rub things, that you had to hold your hand because the water which had to be declared purified by the right people, had to flow a certain direction on your hand, and then you turn your hand over and let the water flow another direction, which was the amount of one and a half eggshells. One and a half eggshells? My wife puts more water than that through her nose every morning. You know those squirty bottles? One and a half eggshells? This is going to do it for you? Really? I use one and a half eggshells worth of that purifying garbage that Steve had 26 boxes of out here. You remember the... He called me up, um, I have 26 boxes of hand purifier. Well, I'm happy for you, Steve. That's great. No, I have 26 boxes that are five feet tall and five feet wide and five feet and full of hand sanitizer. Do you know anybody that needs hand sanitizer? I don't know the whole state of Utah, Steve. No, I don't. Probably still have some out there. That's a, I use one and a half eggshells of sanitizer. But you have to wash your hands the right way, and you have to rub them the right way. And if you can't rub them the right way, you have to rub them on your hair and if you, your head. And if you can't do that, you have to rub them on the wall. This is the nonsense of legalism. There's not a piece of this that came out of God's Word. You have to wash your hands, but unless you're a soldier and you're out on a campaign of war, then you don't have to wash your hands before you eat. It's okay to eat your food with the dead guy's blood on your hands, but after you eat, be sure and wash your hands to get the ham and cheese and deviled eggs off your hands. See what I did there? See, I threw in ham and cheese. See, they don't eat ham. Anyway, doesn't matter. And deviled eggs, see, that's just, it was just, 
just for free. And then, to make things easier for themselves, they passed what was called the principle of intention. Which means, if you get up in the morning and you have the intention of being a good doobie all day long, and you have the intention of washing your hands, then you can take your morning hand washing and say, with certain requirements, that this is going to last me all day long. And friends, they covered God's laws of protection with so much nonsense that no one could live by it. They had different rules for how you wash vessels. If they were earthen vessels that were polluted, you just broke them. If they, we had this woman, we had this couple, that he would throw plates at her. He would throw plates, china. And I said, what do you do when he throws china around the house? Well, I go buy more. Well, quit doing that. Go buy, go buy paper plates. That'll fix that problem. What do you, no, i got to have china. Okay, whatever. He was breaking all of the plates. If they're, if they're made out of wood, horn, glass, or brass, they have to be immersed in water. If there are other types of materials, especially they've come in contact with Gentiles, you remember it said go to the marketplace. If they bumped up next to one of you, if they bumped up next to one of you, they had to go home and purify themselves. It had to be either immersed, put in boiling water, or purged by fire, but it had to be cleansed. And so the question on the table in verse 5 is, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but they eat with defiled hands? And Jesus said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Notice. Notice that when they asked a question, he neither vindicated his disciples' conduct nor apologized for having broken the, command, the, the, the teachings. He just went straight to the issue. Your question is totally irrelevant. Your question is complete nonsense. I'm not even going to grace it with a response, but I'm going to go to the real issue of the matter, and that is you have changed God's law. You have established your teachings as more important than God's law, and you have burdened God's people with your nonsense. That's what he tells them. Why don't people like Jesus? <laughs> Verse 7. Here's the heart of the problem. In vain do they worship me because they teach as doctrines the commandments of men. You have supplanted the eternal word of God with your own rulings. In one place of Jewish writings, it said, How foolish are most men. They observe the principles of divine law and neglect the statutes of the rabbis. Can you imagine? They go reading their Bible instead of just listening to what the preacher told them they should do. But that's where it had come to. And Jesus said, you have, you have placed your word above God's word. And listen, this was not only for the people. This, this didn't just apply to the people. Here's what it says in, in some of their writings. To these also the Almighty is supposed to submit. God is supposed to submit to their laws. Thus he was purified by Aaron when he contracted defilement by descending into Egypt. Even God had to be cleansed and purified by the rabbinic teachings. Even God did. That's how important they thought they were. And their response would be, you know, we're just trying to help out. 
We're just trying to help out. God, you know, he said these things, but he didn't make it real clear. And so we're just trying to make it clear what it is. And Jesus said in verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And then he, then he got really pointed in verse 9. You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down in many such things you do. And that day, children were supposed to take care of their parents in their old age. And the rabbis had said, well, we need your money more than your parents do, so here's what you do. If you will take your money, if you will take the gift that you were going to give to your parents and write Corbin on it, which means sanctified, and just put it in the shed. We had, we had somebody staying with us for a, a few days one time years ago. They were going to be there just a few days. And Donna came in with some groceries, and, and they saw something in the bag that they thought they, they decided they liked, and so they wrote their name on it and put it in the cupboard. And looked at my kids and said, that's mine, don't touch it. And they went, you are so funny. Because that's dad's. You are dead. But no, they would take it. And anything they decided they wanted, they could say, well, I'm going to write Corbin on it. I'm going to put it on the, on the shelf in the cupboard. And I'll either give it to the temple. You can't have this, mom and dad, because this is dedicated to the temple. This is going to the temple. Or... As long as it's sanctified, it can be sanctified as a gift to my friends, my neighbor, my kids, somebody else, anybody that I want to impress. I'm just going to write Corbin on it. It's sanctified now. You can't have it. Or this is, how, this is how insane this thing was. They can write Corbin on it, and it is now a sanctified gift that can only be given to themselves. This is insanity. No, this is sanctified, so I don't have to give it to you. And they were finding ways that they could get around their own hedges, but still requiring the people to live according to the teachings of the rabbis. On a Sabbath day journey, I think it was, I think it was 1,250 feet that you were allowed to walk on a Sabbath. Because don't work on the Sabbath. What does that mean? How far can I walk? 1,250 feet. Okay. And what they would do just before Sabbath is they would take Sabbath meal 1,249 feet away because anywhere your food is, is common space. That's your house. That's your living space. So that made it so that on Sabbath you could go get your food and then you had another 1,250 feet that you could walk that day. They were the ones who built the hedges, and they were the ones who found ways to ignore them. So now if I put my food out there, not only do I have 1,249 feet, now I have 2,498 feet that I can walk. So I'm going to go see Harold. He lives that direction. So I'll take my food 1,249 feet that direction, and the next day I can go see. Folks, that's the insanity of this whole thing. They began by protecting the law as if God needed protecting, and then they began using the law to control people, and then they began manipulating the law to serve their own whims. That's why he said in Matthew 23 concerning the Pharisees, they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, 
hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. They love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace, and they love being called rabbi by others. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace, it's our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.